You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Uh, you're speaking a little slowly, Mickey. Are you? In, uh, is this an impersonation of anybody we've heard of? Well, Bob, one thing we learned at the press conference. I thought that was it, Mickey. Yes. That. <laughs> Mickey, at some point in the yep. next hour, you are going to have to increase Biden. the velocity of your speech. But go ahead. Go ahead. It's all there. He's just slowed down. I, I take it you're saying that Joe Biden did not pass his cognitive test on Thursday? About 0.75 speed. Mickey, now I'm about to prove that you're wrong. I'm about to play his worst moment in the press conference. No, okay. But if you play him at 1.5 speed, he's fine. He's all, my point is, he's all there. He just slowed down. This is 1.0 I'm about to play. He totally passed his cognitive test. No, no, no. But this is the worst moment. You did see the really bad moment, right? It was look- one bad moment. Happens to me too. Okay, well, let's let's actually listen, because I have something to say about this. I mean, I'm not <clears throat> I'm glad you're giving him. What are you giving him? An A minus? A B plus? What? what? We could talk about it. I just the, you, uh, I, I think he we now know what he is. He's 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 all there. He's reasonably sharp. He's the same Joe Biden he ever was. But he's running at point seven five speed. Which is fine. He has plenty of time. He's president. I also think if you compared, well, a couple of things. I mean, just to, just to play devil's advocate. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's up to the presidency um, for the time being, and uh, you know. But if I was going to play devil's advocate, I'd say, look, he relied to an unusual extent on written notes, especially in foreign policy. He just read statements. I assumed that that those were the instructions. Uh, from Tony Blinken, uh, just he just handed him stuff and said, "Read these, no improvising." Um, the but he used notes a lot. Um, he did sometimes he did riffs from like stump speech, and he was very good. And he reminded me that he can be very good as this kind of lunch pail politician who seems like an ordinary guy, and he cares like ordinary he cares about ordinary guys. That was all good. I do think if you if you looked at the speech that falls into neither of those categories, not reading, not regurgitating rehearsed riffs, um, his sentence structure is probably not as coherent as it was four years ago. That would be my guess. It's not horrible, but it's kind of, it can get fragmented. Now, now the, the really bad moment, and it happened early enough that I was worried. Like, if we have another couple of these, we're in trouble. But then he went the rest of the hour plus without anything but the bad one was when he 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 got into a sentence and he just couldn't get out of it and and he goes like well anyway and the funny thing is i don't think it would have been so bad you know he did recover in the sense of remembering broadly speaking what he was talking about he didn't lose track of what the subject was he just couldn't get out of the sentence and i think if he had when he said anyway looked less defeated you know he like looked down and it was like oh my god uh i think the same uh 
sequence of speech could have been, uh, you know, could have seemed more or less fine if he had just sat, paused and said, well, anyway, anyway, you want to hear this moment? As it happens, they played it on the Washington Post podcast, so I know where it I is. Hear, yeah. You want to hear it? So, so somebody's asking him about the filibuster, and here you go. I want to get things done. I want to get them done consistent with what we promised the American people. And in order to do that, in a 50-50 Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get 50 votes so that the vice president of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I've, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. So, so, you know, that's not like that's not like forgetting what you're what the discussion's about, which is bad, you know, which is. It's also possible that he was about to say something he knew he shouldn't say. So it's not that he forgot it. He was about to say, we're going to nuke the filibuster, damn it. And he realized he wasn't supposed to say that. So he cut himself short. Well, in any event, that should be his go to line, right? Like he should have a line like. Oh, I shouldn't put it that way. Whenever it gets lost in a sentence, right? He should he should have some innocuous sounding way of getting out of it. Even anyway would be fine if he just didn't look like, you know, he had he had uh he had just done something horrible. If he you know, uh he also often senses that his mouth is running away with himself uh at, during the campaign and he cuts himself short and says, "Well, I shouldn't go on and on." Yeah. So it could have been that too. He knows that he has a reputation as a motor mouth and he's very consciously keeping in his in check. Does not seem that difficult these days. But um uh, <laughs> Well, I he, think I also uh, think he's become very conscious of the claim that he's losing it and that hurts him. And that's why at a moment like this, he he kind of looks defeated. And maybe it's why the moment happens in the first place. Maybe it's a little like stuttering where uh, you know, uh, the more self-conscious you are, the worse it is. I don't know. But yeah, well, it wasn't on balance. Wasn't it wasn't it's not time to invoke whatever amendment that is. 20th. You, you learned some other things at the press conference. Yeah. Uh, we learned first. Uh, that. Uh, this is in keeping with it, that he's not senile. He's smart enough to realize that the gun control, pushing for gun control is a quagmire that will bog down his whole agenda as it did in 2013. He very consciously did not go down that road. He basically said, sorry, gun control, you're not happening. Uh, I'm not gonna push push it. Uh, I gotta push for voting rights and these other things. Uh, and uh, so that was that was very smart of him. I was. As somebody who hopes that parts of his agenda get bogged down, although only parts, I was hoping that maybe the gun control thing would distract him as it did in 2013. But he's too smart for that. So he's learned a lesson. That's and good. he explicitly said, look, you can only do so much. You have to focus. Um, so that seems to be his plan. But I mean, so what's he so what's he going to focus on infrastructure? I mean, well, the, well, the infrastructure bill, of course, 
is not just infrastructure. There's a infrastructure infrastructure part, and then there is human infrastructure, Bob, which is another trillion dollars, which includes this uh, checks to non-workers that have me so exercised. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks and and so the, it looks like they're going to separate them. There's going to be the real infrastructure and the human infrastructure, which is basically a bunch of liberal spending that uh, of the sort that they've always wanted to do, except maybe a little pushing a little further. Um, and they're, they're going to have individual pay fors. They do have to pay for them, apparently. Uh, and, uh, the, the real infrastructure is going to be with the corporate tax increase and the liberal human infrastructure is going to be paid with, uh, ending the carried interest loophole, which I don't think is that much money. I'm not going to pay a trillion dollars. And, uh, and also individual rate hikes. And I don't know how it depends whose rates they hike, I guess. Well, it's oh. going to be the upper it's going to be upper income. He's going to partly rescind the, the uh, Trump tax cuts. Right. Right. So at, both the, at the higher income levels. Right. So I guess it, it, I guess in theory, it has to be over four hundred thousand. You're right. Uh, but so. Um, so I, will that be popular? I don't know. They've they they have they've um, limited the extension of the the Dole program that I don't like to to 2025 and it's not in perpetuity it just extended to 2025 which will make it go down easier and supposedly the democrats are raring to pass both of those with reconciliation uh never mind the republicans uh and and that can happen with reconciliation so the filibuster won't be an issue uh i think it has to go by the parliamentarian but uh I think they think that everything in there can be done by reconciliation. Yes. So, so then the, are they so sated by passing these huge things through reconciliation that they stop and take a break or are they, is their appetite just wetted and they're driven mad with power and they go ahead and try to uh, eliminate the filibuster and pass the rest of their agenda? Uh, I don't know about that. So then the big check from the right will be mansion and cinema basically. If if reconciliation will do it, that, well, that's I, that's what'll keep the the moderating the main moderating influences on the the next big piece of legislation. Why well, I, I I'm hoping that uh, on you know on on some of these things that it's more than just Mansion and Cinema. I mean, is, are are Mansion and Cinema the only people who would worry about recreating the old AFDC program? I would hope not. And and the and the other thing is that. Uh, of course, the GOP has just been pathetic in failing to make that an issue. They're making everything an issue but that. And I don't quite understand it. It's not like there's a big lobbyist donor faction pushing for more AFDC. It must just be when they include it in these big, big programs that are generally popular that nobody has the balls to oppose it. Well, or maybe it's also, not- as I've said, I mean, when the jobs aren't there is a bad time to push for workfare. I heard a, a thing on the radio today that Phil, I think Pennsylvania has the highest unemployment rate among blacks of any state in the country. And they said a lot of it is what happened to the hospitality industry during the pandemic. And, you know, when you've got a situation like that where the jobs aren't there, there's just not going to be a lot of people on your side. And I personally think the only humane way to advocate what you're advocating in the first place is in conjunction with uh, the government get, being the employer of last resort, guaranteeing you available an available job. Um, but in any event, that's not happening. I'm for that. There are actually three things. They have to run a full employment economy. They have to extend, expand unemployment insurance, which, which doesn't cover enough people. 
so there, there are a whole lot of people who just don't have the quarters or they, 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 they're unemployed, they're looking for work, but they don't qualify for unemployment insurance. And then, yes, a guaranteed jobs program. You're right. It should be paired with that. But now, uh, most of the questions at the press conference, it seemed like were about like the situation in the border uh, more, I'm sure, than Biden liked. Are, are you uh, are you poised to congratulate Kamala Harris in in uh, being named and being put in charge of that? It's funny, you know. The, the week, like a couple of days before that happened, there was a story about how the, the, the White House is urging all federal agencies to refer to the current, current, current administration as, quote, the Biden-Harris administration. But apparently when it comes to border security, they want it to be known as the Harris administration. And I, I'm not sure we should congratulate her on this. No, it, 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 um, it sure looked like she's being handed the, uh, the bag of whatever. Yeah, uh, the booby prize, whatever. But there's another theory on that, which is from Mark Kerkorian, who thinks that they figure only Harris can pull off the toughening of policy that they know is needed. Uh, so only Harris can get the in- liberal address groups in line for a restoration of some of Trump's policies. I don't know about that. That seems a little optimistic. What One thing we did learn at, you know, one of the great mysteries of the Biden border pushes why what does he want does he want just to keep it under control and and uh you know eliminate what he considers the inhumanity and treat treat the uh you know get the surge down stop people from coming and 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 handle those who come humanely or does he actually want them to come is he actually pro i don't think he wants them to come i thought it was clear he wanted them to come he he says they're like his irish ancestors in the coffin ships he, when did he, he say that? Did he say that in the press conference? In the press conference, he 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 thinks he thinks that they're, which in some senses they are, just like Americans who came looking for a better life when his ancestors came, and they should come, and they should apply for amnesty on his loose loosened up criteria, and you know he wants them all to get in if they if they judge. Well, I mean, if you take him at his word and assume that he's not doing that to appease his base while simultaneously uh, trying to actually reduce the number who come across the border, which is an entirely plausible political tactic, I would say. Right. That's, (laughs) Um, you know, he's not reducing the number coming across the border. No, Well, that's what we're speculating about. Uh, You're asking, what does he want? What would he what would he like to do? Um, And I'm saying I think it's entirely uh, possible that, you know, he's a centrist by nature. And uh, I think he understands that the politics could get ugly if it seems uh, like it's now suddenly out of control and wasn't for the previous several years. You would think, but that speech seemed heartfelt and he seems to actually he gave a, a couple of hints that maybe he wants it under control. He mm-hmm. hinted that uh, the the nine year old should go back to her mother in Mexico. Right. He, he did. He um, uh, that was that was the main hint. Others said he he hinted generally that he liked the idea of sending all the families back under this section Title forty two pandemic authority. I didn't, but you know this is the central mystery of Biden now. He's moved to the left on a couple of issues that are not where the old centrist Biden was. Uh, immigration is one of them. Uh, welfare is another. Uh, 
trans athletes in sports. You would not see the old centrist Joe Biden uh, saying that trans athletes should participate in women's sports. Whatever you whatever you think of that issue, he wouldn't do this. And 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 the the question was always, does he really believe this? Has he changed his mind? Is he just kowtowing to interest groups? And you know the general. I, I guess the the way to unify all those is it's that it's that Darwinian thing where you believe what you have to believe, but you really believe it because it's in your mm-hmm. your mental makeup to actually believe what you need to believe. But there's a missing link, Bob, and I have the missing link here. Looks like you're going to show it to us. It's an actual link, like it, like in this a chain. Thing. Is that Franklin Delano Roosevelt? This is my father's portrait of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, which hung on his wall probably since World War II. Looks like a black and white that's been colorized. It's the same photo of Franklin Roosevelt that hangs in practically every Democratic home in America for the last 40 years. And historians like John Meacham have gone and convinced Biden that he's the next FDR. So never mind, you know, you should think big. Never mind these little things like... uh, like welfare and immigration there, you know, think big and your history will laud you for it. So I think that's the fight. The final cement in the glue is John Meacham's benediction. <laughs> First of all, is John Meacham an actual historian? He is now. <laughs> he's a journalist, right? He writes the, books about history. He, he's, anyway. the guy who, uh, he's the guy who apparently ran, put together the meeting of historians that met with Biden. You're aware of that. No. Earlier this month, a bunch of historians met with Biden. That no doubt includes Michael Beschloss, right? I I think he might have not been there. I, that would it, be shocking. Because he's another part. guy I'm not sure is an actual historian. He wasn't listed. <laughs> he wasn't listed on on the in the Axios story that reported this. Huh. Uh, the, well, who uh, was there? Who was there? Like uh, Sean uh, Wilentz or what? I didn't see Sean Wilentz on the list either. What's I wrong? Who are, who was there? I can I can call it up on Axios, but uh, we'll have to. I'll have to okay, do it. Okay, okay. So uh, anyway, so they, you, they so your fear is that they've convinced him to go big. They've convinced Joe to go big. The, the the gist of the Axios story was they convinced him to go big. But what is big in this context? How big can he go? I mean, infrastructure bill—that's about all he can get done, right? No, you can eliminate the filibuster. You can pass this vote massive voting rights bill. You can pass am, immigration amnesty. You can. Uh, well, he can't even eliminate the filibuster without Joe Manchin. And, uh, you know, so it's not like he has that choice. And and so far he did say he would what he did say, I think, in the press conference, right, that he would like to at least, to go back to the system where you actually had to, to keep talking during the filibuster, which would be something. Right. And he hinted that if 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 if, if uh, McConnell scorched the earth, he would go all the way. And this is all a kabuki where they're gradually uh convincing yeah, but, themselves they have to but admit to, it you uh, are paranoid and the prescripted but at the bottom of of your fears is that they will pass immigration legislation not with you know once they're liberated from filibuster constraints and you you will concede that you are paranoid right no they, they, that's what they're talking about doing and the problem with the immigration legislation is that it's it's permanent. It's, you can't reverse it. A tax bill, you it doesn't matter. I don't okay. It bother me. Okay. If they pass. So that is that, that is your fear. Pass election law without the filibuster. That okay. doesn't bother me because that can be reversed. I withdraw my conjecture that this is a manifestation of your paranoia. But for the record, you would agree that you are paranoid, right? 
Yes, but it, I, I happen to have been paranoid about about something that was actually happening. I thought I was wasn't going to happen when you know when Mickey. They didn't get a big majority in the Senate, but they have a they have no majority. They have the smallest possible majority, and they're still going ahead with it. You know, paranoids are famously bad at distinguishing between things that are valid fears and things that are not. And you've already admitted that you're a paranoid, so I'm not sure we should accept your judgment as to whether this is a valid fear. Well, all I can say is at the press conference, he ditched gun control. He did not ditch immigration. Okay. Now, speaking and, of yeah, gun control. And it's also a very, very bad atmosphere for any sort of bipartisan compromise because people are streaming across the border uncontrolled that it's only going to get worse. And so the hopes of getting a bipartisan bill, are virtual, a big bipartisan bill, are virtually nil. So their only hope is to get rid of the filibuster. Now, speaking of gun control, there was this there's been yet another mass shooting, the Colorado shooting, which was the context for the gun control question. I'm sure the the uh, so what do we know? Have you learned much at all about the background of this shooter? I mean, they were his family was were refugees from Syria. I guess they came when he was very, very young. Uh, preschool, probably. Is that right? He, he validates all the concerns about the refugee program, bringing in people who are going to do us harm but isn't he doesn't he seem to be actually mentally ill yeah well, you know a, i mean in a certain sense all people who do this are i guess but but isn't the does didn't his or somebody's brother somebody say he's he's kind of he's schizophrenic or i don't know i i get the impression he's a mental mentally ill uh islamist who may have been motivated by uh i, I don't think there's any evidence that it, of the islamist thing that he's a jihadist have you seen evidence of that homophobia i don't see any i i didn't see any evidence of no here you, you want to know the strangest thing about his background is that we don't know anything about his background i mean normally as soon as this happens people go into the social their social media feeds and tell you all about him apparently unless he deleted his social media feeds i am forced to infer that he basically wasn't on social media and that for somebody his age is a sign of true social alienation. Like you are not socially integrated if you're that age and don't have a social media history. I don't know. I think the p- police are very reticent. Perhaps no, but usually that no, this is uh, this is crowdsourced. This is crowdsourced. They find the shooter's name. They find their Facebook feeds. Blah blah blah. There was none of that this time. I am left to conclude that maybe he was so far from being socially integrated that he wasn't even on social media. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody has found some stuff, but... He certainly dressed the part. Of being... Well, yeah, he didn't... Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, alarming. Um, so that's two in what? Two weeks? Two in... Yeah, two in two weeks, two in three weeks. Um, but... It's- I, I, I'm having a Joe Biden moment. I forgot what the earlier one was. The massage parlor. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, different kind of thing. So um, now what else can we talk about? You did. I mean, not, I don't want to pick on Joe Biden, but did, did you see the video of him tripping on the stairs three times? Yeah, that I mean, uh, I'm re- I want to defend him on this. That was a non-story, but the, but the contrast with the way they covered it versus the way they would cover Trump is a story. Yeah, Trump Trump walked down a ramp slowly, and it was two two days of solid media coverage. The um, but I will say, look, you uh, first you have to admit. I mean, for our younger viewers, okay, 
there was a president named Gerald Ford, famously clumsy. On Saturday Night Live, Chevy Chase used to do this imitation of him, and he would just stumble repeatedly. I have to admit, this did look like Chevy Chase circa 1975, but his excuse is, you know what his excuse is? I forget. It was something pathetic. No, his ex- I don't know what he said, but I'm telling you what the good excuse is. He made the mistake of trying to show his surprising vigor for a 78-year-old by kind of trotting up the stairs. I have a message for 78-year-olds out there. Do not try to trot up airplane stairs. Nobody I mean, expects you to. You're 78. But he, that's what he tried. That's what got him into trouble. And then when he, he recovered, he tried to do it again. If you have knee, if you have a knee problem, you do that all the time climbing the stairs because your meniscus gives way. Is that uh, true? You know, it's funny you should say that. I had part of my meniscus removed uh, low these many years ago. Let's see, it would have it's twenty five years ago, and I thought it was going to catch up with me sooner than this. It it supposedly comes back to haunt you, oh, and then. Yeah. Yeah, they they realize after doing all this stuff that it's not a good long-term strategy. After your career in the NBA is over, you get crippled in later life? Totally. That's no fun. You know, in fact, uh, I believe Bo Jackson's career was cut short because he had earlier, I'm not sure that was uh, cartilage removal, but he had earlier had uh, a surgery and and it came back to haunt him. And that is, of course, the reason I'm not uh, in the NBA right now. No, I understand. Everybody knows that. The um, so there are other things to talk about. Although we are, we're approaching the the uh, what everybody fears, which is Biden is so boring that there's nothing to talk about. If I didn't have my two hobby horses, I would be out of business. Both of which I I, I regret to remind you we have covered already. Right, I know we hit both of them. Mm-hmm. So I was ratioed. That's always good. Tell, want to tell our older viewers what that means? You you tweeted something and you got a lot of replies, a high ratio of replies to likes or retweets. Yes, meaning that meaning basically that it was, it, it was, there was a massive negative reaction. And what uh, had you said to trigger well, the, this? Uh, there's there's this Georgia voting bill, and the Democrats are making a big deal of it. And the issue they've it does a whole bunch of things that. Restricts absentee ballots. It restricts drop boxes. It makes ballot harvesting. Oh yeah, and you said what's so bad about denying people water when they're and, in the and summer? And they're, when and they're the in a big thing about about this bill criminalizes giving people a line water and snack. Well, it does. It does. It does. It does. This is Georgia I, bill. The worst thing in the bill. Criminalize. You know that it, it just seemed to me. Well, you got to admit. It, it seemed to me. Let me. It seemed to me. That it was like a Minnesota good government thing where, you know, you you prosecute people for serving cookies at coffee classes. OK, it's 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 excessive worry about people interfering with people in line. And it was pointed out to me then that uh, no people wait eight hours in line in the 90 degree heat. Some of them need water. Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was going to remind you of that. Uh, the, but but the other but I mean, uh, you're putting kind of a nice face on it by suggesting that it's akin to kind of good government, you know, good intentions kind of right. I mean, obviously, the legislation is designed to reduce the number of Democrats who vote. Uh, you know, well, just as Democrats pass legislation designed to increase the number of Democrats who well, vote. Sure. It's a constant it war. Out, it turned out what they were really worried about was uh, was a sort of, not, not, that, not that they wanted uh, black churchgoers to suffer and faint in the heat, 
but there are these massive turnout operations by democratically funded, like Mark Zuckerberg organizations to get out the vote, but we really know what we really know what they want that serves 7,000 pizzas and Chef right. Andre has a huge kitchen going. And there are these massive food events that are obviously designed to get people to vote Democratic. And th- th- all they're saying is this is, you know, it's, it, it, there's a right. prophylactic rule, which is don't fuck around with the people in line. And they're saying these people, they can go have their events, but they can't fuck around with the people in line. That's, now, all that's what I assumed it was that they couldn't like, uh, you know, drag a food cart through like a low-income neighborhood and say, "Hey, you want a series of good meals, including while you're waiting in line to vote?" Under, uh, under this, under this law, they, I they think can't. they can. This law just deals with what you do to people in line. There's, right. I guess, also bribery laws that would deal with with offering people food to vote Democratic, but they probably can run a food truck through the neighborhood. That's this has nothing to do with that. Uh, no, but what I meant was, I assumed they they were afraid of a form of implicit subsidy were part of the, I mean, what are they honestly afraid of? Like, are they really thinking that somebody's going to go, you're going to say, if you go show up in line, you know, show up to vote and wait in line, I'll give you some pizza. How many people is that going to get out there? Come on. Chef Andres is pretty good chef, Bob. I might go in line for some of his food. Uh, The, um, it 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 it's uh they're worried that there is so much democratic money out there looking for something to do that it will sponsor they will give you a you know a fucking uh baked alaska or something okay. they 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 will go, they will give terrific food to people who go vote and the, the and the the question is does that shade into uh actually buying votes and, and will people vote democratic cuz they know what these people are up to and they feel the, the the normal human gratitude and the answer is they don't want to worry about it so they say you have to move 150 feet away that's all this uh, okay the next question is like whose idea what genius who supports this legislation decided to include water that's a brilliant public relations move it was it was probably ill-advised yes <laughs> yes you might say maybe even the food but water was ill-advised um just i mean i think it's justifiable but but it was you a- think it's justifiable to deny to say nobody can bring you water because they can't leave the line, Mickey. It's not clear that they can't leave the line. Well, they okay. might lose their place in line. Why? Ha- you like you? You wait. I just want to get you on the record. You think it should be illegal to hand somebody a bottle of water while they're in line to vote? I wouldn't pass that law. I just say it's not crazy. It's not crazy <laughs> to have a "don't fuck with the people in line" rule because when you're handing out the water. We don't want to worry about what you're going to say. This, okay. is, this is for this is for House for Senate. You know, you never know. You can't control it. I'm on board. By the way, we have a prophylactic. We have if a prophylactic. you if you run, I'm 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 there for you, man. I'm uh, afraid I can't vote. I don't live in California, well, but spiritually, spiritually, I'm totally there. There's a, a big election coming up in California, Bob. I could run. I, people are, I sort of, I, the whole race is stalled while people are worried about w- whether I'll run or not. I've sort of frozen everything in place. Do know? it. Do it. Seriously. It, you got the whole, you got the whole parrot room behind, well, no, you got half the parrot room behind you. I have half that's, the That's nearly half. 400 people, several of whom live in California. I, I say you should I, do it. And, and there were, I had, I had at least half of the podcast I was on was for me. 
Oh, you were on. You were just on this right wing thing, Ricochet. You taped this morning. It's getting to where like I've got to work around your your media schedule, right? So you taped the Ricochet podcast. Who were you? Who were you talk? What right wing kook were you talking to? I was talking. I was talking to any right wing kook. I was with the James Lilex, Peter Robinson, and Rob Long, all of whom are reasonable people. Rob actually helped me out with my Senate campaign, although, uh, as he points out, he did not tell me not to work as hard as <laughs> he did not tell me to uh take the time off and not be somewhere every night so um we went through that but uh they're all those are all reasonable people they asked interesting questions uh, isn't so peter peter robinson right is a is a he's he's a an immigration restrictionist right or am i mixing him up with somebody peter else well, who, what's the name of the guy who's the second guy you mentioned Peter Robinson, he's a former Reagan speechwriter. No, he's simply he's a Reagan speechwriter. He's sympathetic to both sides. Okay, I, th- I think he, I think he ultimately is is at the moment for restrictionist. But he he asked me what would I, you know, he said a perfectly reasonable question is, you know, what what would it take for me to get to amnesty? So um, uh, I I think he, you know, he he he's a standard Republican, uh, but he asked good questions. He. He asked why California was why California was so democratic aside from the immigration. And that's an interesting question. And is it there's something about urbanization aside even from self-selection that makes people democratic? In other words, I have this idea. Obviously, liberals go to cities. Okay, so cities are more liberal. That's one phenomenon. But the other phenomenon, if you move to a city, does that make you more cosmopolitan and democratic? You know, you have this idea. You, you you believe in monogamy. You move to the city. Pretty soon, you're in a threesome. You've thrown your church over. Yeah, you know, it's it it, it it produces liberalization. I think there's something to that too. Um, you're, you're, so in a, you're in a town where gay people don't have to hide in the closet, so mm-hmm. you become sympathetic to gay rights. You know, standard thing. Could happen. Um, anyway, that was an interesting question. But anyway, I bring left and right together, Bob, so I could get dozens of votes. I think you should run. I think you you should we you just wait just check out the comments section under this video on YouTube on our side. I think you're going to see a lot of run Mickey run. And folks, the way you spell that is run comma Mickey comma run period. That's what the, we're looking for in the comments section. The a to be governor. It would be fun to run because it's going to like 150. It's going to be a zoo. 150 candidates. Okay. Uh, the. Uh, the problem is being governor actually involves being able to govern, and that involves executive skills that, that are not involved in being a senator. I ran for senator for a reason, which is I don't have the governor chops, I don't think. Uh, second is— uh, So wait, Mickey, if you're uh, saying you don't have administrative skills, if you're saying that like right now, you're kind of helping the oppo research campaign to the other side. You realize that? I know they could, this clip is going to come back and haunt me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, 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 it takes a lot of skill to manage a big government, a big government bureaucracy. And yeah. it's not clear even it's not clear Schwarzenegger had them, even if it's when his heart was in the right place. Right. Uh, and so it's 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 a tough job. Yeah. Second, what did he have that you don't have? What is what did Arnold Schwarzenegger have that Mickey Kaus doesn't have? You, you could get elected. Um. You know, I'm 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 doing push-ups. You know, I'm 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 approaching a Schwarzenegger level of. Many people have made body, that comparison. Body fat 
density, whatever it is. Um, the the second thing is that Trump is hovering above the race. And if Trump jumps in and endorses somebody, that person is going to jump up. Now, I just realized today that that also has since both these elections happen at the same time. OK, uh-huh. is a do we want Newsom? Yes or no. And who should replace him happens at the same time. So if Trump jumps in and endorses a Republican, all the Democrats are going to say, fuck this. We hate Trump. We're going to vote for Newsom. So there's going to be this blowback effect that's going to help Newsom if Trump intervenes. But it's also going to screw everybody else who's running to replace Newsom. So uh, anyway, Mickey, I wait, I, I, I'm, that's me. I'm starting to fear that the following scenario has not occurred to you. And I would recommend that you seriously entertain it. It's a long shot, but. If you could get Trump to endorse you, I'm only half kidding, Mickey. Like, you know people who know Trump, and he knows that you're, you know, kind of on board policy. Well, you know Steve Bannon. You and Steve Bannon are like this. Um, Mickey, think uh, about it. You run as an independent. Trump wants to destroy the Republican Party. He says, this is my guy. Um. Trump's, you know, there's this election in Ohio, Senate election. We Are you changing about. the subject? No, it's, okay. I'm not. Okay. Okay. Four of the candidates had a meeting with Trump at Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. not J.D. Vance, but the other four. And the level of uh, memory that Trump had for the slightest slight, like one had 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 praised somebody who had praised somebody who had voted to impeach Trump. Okay, Trump remembered that, held it against him. Okay, the level of suck uppery it takes to get Trump's endorsement is really humiliating, and that is that's going to be a problem for JD Vance because I don't know if he can mm-hmm. muster the the. And you're the saying card. it could be a problem for you? I just I I think I'm I, I think I'm nowhere near because let me just level of suck uppery that. Let me take. just throw something out here. There probably is an amount of money that could have the effect of the archives of Blogging Heads TV disappearing entirely. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. If you t- if you find yourself talking to donors in California, I'm just l- leaving it on the table. <laughs> yeah. uh, and who would that money go to, Bob? Someone who has the power to have those archives deleted, I suppose. I, no names uh, come to mind. But, you know, you've been vaccinated. I, I would just get in the car... Adopt a devil may care attitude and drive to Mar-a-Lago. Do you play golf? I don't play golf, but I do know how to get to Mar-a-Lago. I could give you golf tips by Zoom, and then you just show up. I I play tennis, and golf, the motion is the opposite of tennis. So when you play tennis, you're really like a, a shitty golfer for a while. It's the opposite? I, I've never gotten through that stage. Golf has always bored me before I got through that stage. I thought tennis was its own opposite, like backhand or forehand. No. It's it's whether you keep the elbow, which arm you keep bent and which arm you keep straight. I don't know. It's It seems quite different. Anyway. They're both head games, though. You'd be good. If you're good at one, you'll be, you have potential at the other. Well, there's the Zen quality. Precisely. I was shocked. Talk about, uh, talk about connections you don't expect. First is your, your, the connection of Bob to Darren Beatty. Who knew? The second is the connection of Bob to the fire guy, who turns out to be a fan of your Buddhist books. Greg Lukianoff, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, he tweeted, I got you, his monthly book award. You have you have tentacles in, through all parts of American society. You're the one who should be running for president. 
that's let's just say that's not not being studied by uh, some of the finest study groups in America. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, Greg was that was very nice. I had him on my show. So it's probably just just crass payback for that, but I approve of his work, but neither of those are people that are welcome on the left. Yeah, just but saying. he's it's yeah, yeah, but that's just because of the way, you know, the the whole kind of cancel culture and and social justice warrior issue has you know, played out. It's it's, it's not that he's like a right-wing guy, I don't think. Is he? Luciano? Yeah. Uh I don't know. Now do Biddy. It is like he's a right-wing guy. Well, he's just total <laughs> Trumpist. Yeah, but he's like, he's not giving me awards. I just had him on my show. That's all I know. In fact, when I I emailed him like a couple months ago and didn't hear from him, I wanted to have him back. But, you know, he is, to- you should hear him go on about how cognitively impaired Biden seemed at the press conference. He's just going on and on. I mean, of course, you know, uh, on the Bannon show, they played what I just played of the press conference over and over and over. And it just doesn't work that well. It's just audio, you know. Um, But they're into it. They're deeply into it. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I have uh, have a diverse array of of people I've spoken to. So... uh, Speaking of Twitter, now, you know what else? Wait, you know what else came through at the press conference? Biden confirmed we're not going to be out of Afghanistan by May 1st, as I believe I predicted weeks ago on this very show. Is that right? Do you recall that? Uh, No, but I'll give it to you. Uh, So it's now one to one. Trump abandoned a deal that his predecessor had agreed to, the Iran deal. Biden is uh, not complying with the terms of a deal that his predecessor agreed to getting out of Afghanistan by May 1st. I will, in defense of Biden, say that it's a lot harder to get out of Afghanistan by May 1st. Not that I'm defending uh, the position, but it is harder to do that than it is to just stay in the Iran deal, which involves precisely nothing. Um, Here's some. Go ahead. Sorry. Nah, that's it. Uh, There's other foreign policy stuff going on, but go ahead. I'll get back to it. Uh, Biden said the most uh, he he sort of went along with the question and said the most dangerous area uh, of the world is North Korea. And Alan Tonelson, who you probably disagree with on a lot, said, no, that's wrong. The most dangerous area of the world is Taiwan right now. And that seems to be the case. Would Bob Wright, would President Bob Wright just not defend Taiwan? Chinese Uh, attack, they launched their planes. What do you do? uh, I, I... I I have not yet made my cabinet selections. I'll have to confer yeah. with him. No, I would I would be inclined. Uh, you know, is it is it Even worth fighting? Biden for? Get away with that punt. What? Even it, Biden couldn't get away with that punt. Yeah. Uh, no, I would probably not be inclined to. In the ideal world, you, you make uh, the thought of uh, attacking Taiwan unappetizing enough that you slowly work something out that, you know, doesn't involve war. But it's a very complicated situation because they, you know, they have a feeling about, they consider that Chinese territory. As I, now, here's an historical question. Was it part of China until the nationalists retreated there after the, after the war? I guess it was, right? They, they were just retreating to a part of China. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of revisionist history, but I don't know it. Hmm. So, but, I but thought, anyway, they, they think of it that way. I thought the Bob Wright of non-zero was going to. Uh, Alan Tottleson specifically worried about what happens to their uh, semiconductor production expertise. 
and uh, Taiwan's. Mm-hmm. And soon the Bob Wright of non-zero will say, well, the Chinese will conquer them and they'll preserve the semiconductor expertise. So. Well, it won't be it won't evaporate. It won't. No, I mean, of course right. not. It's expertise. Right. But then they'll use that to promote authoritarianism, as David Sanger so eloquently <laughs> explained in The New York Times. Uh, they'll they'll hold this expertise over other nations heads until they become authoritarian like the Chinese. You know, that reminds me, should people go to the uh, non-zero archives at Substack, they will find two pieces about David Sanger, I believe. Well, they'll find at least one that's open for public inspection, and maybe one's confined to paid subscribers, but I certainly recommend those. Your point was that Sanger made no sense. Well, there are two pieces he wrote that were uh, both uh, lamentable. Uh, he, he's symptomatic of a serious, serious problem in journalism, and it's just kind of a natural tendency, but he's one of the worst exemplars, which is, um, well, let me let me sidestep. Somebody tweeted, which I thought was kind of funny, you know, this tanker is stuck in the Suez Canal, and he, um, this, this guy tweeted, some headline somewhere, tanker stuck in canal is a challenge to Biden. And, and that is, you know... Everything is depicted as some kind of challenge Biden has to respond to. And Sanger is just among the very worst. And uh, the I, I wrote about that in the context of cyber, you know, uh, Chinese and Russian hacking. He did a piece on that that I thought was completely horrible. But he, in general, is just, uh, you know, in effect, in the end, a fear monger. Because not that that's necessarily his goal. I think his goal is to, well, it was originally to get on the front page back before there was an Internet. Now it's to get clicks, probably. But he writes sensationalistically and he depicts everything as a threat to America that will be a test of our president and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's a natural tendency if you're a journalist who is rewarded for getting a lot of traffic. But he's particularly egregious about I can't tell for sure whether there's an ideological component in his case. But this is, uh, it's a real problem. I, and that's my lament. I thought I thought the tanker was a metaphor for Donald Trump's role in the Republican primary system. Which is, he's a massive, he's a massive obstacle to anybody else getting through. Uh, that's pretty good. That, that There goes my Trump sucking up, Bob. You should have stopped me. That's the last thing I want to stop. I want. I, I think the voters deserve to see the real you before they decide how to cast their ballots. No, but I should be sucking up to Trump instead. I'm pissing on him. Oh, that. Yeah, you're right. That was a big mistake, and and I regret that. So. Um. Okay. Uh. I, I th- I'm thinking. You know, you may be more anti-Biden than I am. I don't. I don't mind anything Biden's doing except does so far except the welfare plan. And uh, his immigration policy. And letting trans athletes compete with women. I I don't think that's a big issue. But you're against against it. I'm against it in theory, but the right keeps coming up with these two, these two same examples. If there were, they they need more evidence that it's actually a widespread Mm. problem. No, I'm against his foreign policy uh, pretty increasingly broadly. Um. And, you know, and can you do you have a theory as to why I lost uh, Twitter followers with a, with a tweet that that 
said something they just pointed out that if I were a neocon, I'd be pretty happy with his foreign policy so far. If you look at, you know, bomb Syria, no Iran deal, uh, tensions have deepened with China, North Korea, and Russia. Um, and uh, I actually lost some followers. And I wasn't sure whether it's like, I, I think China is becoming a real hot button issue. And if you seem like you're too accommodating toward China, there's people who will really get upset. I think that may be it. It could also be, I offended some neocons or neocon supporters, but like, I mean, surely they've, I mean, if they're my followers, they had some clue before this, right? Maybe, um, uh, Maybe the, the Chinese are using their nefarious authoritarian techniques to strip you of followers. Now I see what a mistake it was for me to buy a Huawei smartphone. Yeah, there you go. That's well, how that, this happened. I, know, I think it's the standard stupidity of Twitter, which is every time I try, every time I tweet something that was against Trump for a while, at least there, in the I would lose followers. So you're in the same situation with Biden. People are just pro Biden. They want you to be on Team Biden. You're not on Team Biden. Speaking of teams, you want a good talking point for Team Trump? Sure, now that I'm sucking up to him. This is in the realm of Biden foreign policy. So this week, and we recount this in today's issue of the Non-Zero Newsletter, the weekly, the weekend blob uh, issue. Um, the uh, So Tony Blinken threatened to impose sanctions on German companies for participating in this gas pipeline uh, that's going to bring gas from Russia to Germany. Now, the pipeline's almost done. It's a little late to stop it. And I would just uh, point out... Now, now he is authorized to do it. Congress, years ago, passed a thing authorizing a president to sanction companies involved in that deal, which is kind of amazing, if you ask me, like it's any of our damn business. But... They did. But here's the interesting thing, Mickey. Donald Trump, who supposedly has no regard for our allies and lives in fear of offending Russia, did, under the authority of that legislation, sanction a Russian company, but did not sanction German or other Western European countries. Now, the Biden administration, which is supposedly going to make amends with our allies is threatening to sanction German companies. And what's your explanation for this? Tony Blinken is out of control. <laughs> he's, 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 I don't know, I don't know. I mean, look, they are under pressure from some in Congress to do this, which is fascinating in its own right. Again, what business is it of ours? I would think this is a show, this is a show to keep the anti-Russia forces happy. Well, then sanction some Russian. I'm, I'm sure there's more Russian companies you can you can find who had some marginal connection to this. If it's token, do that. I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. Blinken here's, is totally out of control. Here's the question. Does anybody in the Biden administration, including Blinken, really think it's a big deal that Russia took over Crimea? I mean, it, it's a little like us taking over Texas, right? No, it is. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean... It is clearly a case of transborder aggression in violation of international law. It's bad, bad, bad. Now, the, 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 the part of it that people don't usually know, the historical part, is A, most people in Crimea are totally happy with it. 
because there's a very long-standing uh, connection to Crimea. I mean, let me let me make sure I've got this right. Until Khrushchev, I think Crimea was within the Soviet Union, part of the Russian Republic, if I've got this right. In any event, it was Khrushchev who I think transferred Crimea to Ukraine. Okay, so there's a ton of Russian speakers. There's a ton of pro-Russian sentiment. And in fact, historically, for a long time, I believe, uh, you know, even well into the Soviet Union, in the Soviet era, I believe it was part of Russia. I'm not saying that to excuse what happened. I am as a, as a as an as an international law obsessive. I oppose violations of international law. This was a completely clear cut one. But there is that political at, at backdrop. Some point, the, at some point, the equities, if you if if if. If the Soviets stupidly make Crimea an independent country and then two weeks later change it, it's, you know, it's been in Russia for a for a long time. And two weeks later, they change their mind. Bob Wright pops up and says, wait, this is an international boundary now. Uh, it seems absurd. So this is approaching that. Well, wait, it had been a, it had been an international boundary uh, since the Soviet Union broke up in the 90s. Right. Well, that's a pretty long time. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a stickler on this. Okay. I'm a stickler when the U.S. violates international law, which is all the time. And uh, I'm a stickler when other people do it. What about Guantanamo? What about it? Uh, is it ours? Oh, the base? Well, very I, I think technically... Right? Te- I mean, technically, we have right to have, but we have, and we're not giving it up? I mean, technically, it was a lease arrangement. Is that right? <laughs> no, it was the faintest idea. I can't even know. I, I'm going to farm this out to my Guantanamo advisor. Similar in that probably the, the 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 international law is against us, but we're not giving it up. So fuck international law. Same with Crimea. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't favor that sentiment. Like, now, any- I, I also I also of course believe that uh, again I'm not defending what, what Russia did, but in terms of what went into. If you if you look at the series of events that led them to go into Crimea, they were not entirely hallucinating to think that we had interfered in Ukrainian politics and and wound up in a sense abetting what could reasonably be called a forceful uh, removal of a democratically elected uh, president. You're way too Russia hawk. I didn't know I was dealing with a Russia hawk. Next, you'll be giving out cookies on the Maidan. That that's it. Uh, uh, people in voting uh, lines, Ukrainians in voting lines. I'm going to bring them food and water. Yeah, yeah. If only we had, if only we had Governor, whatever his name is, in in. Hey, they're both named Georgia, right? I mean, they're both around Georgia. It's it's eerie. Oh, it's almost eerie. Um. Uh. Anyway, so, um, there are a couple other things to talk about. COVID is one, but go ahead. Well, let's talk about COVID because that's the 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 other two are paritable. Okay, I first the bad news. I've been saying for a couple of weeks, like case numbers have been plateauing, uh, deaths have got to start doing that. Eventually, they seem to be starting to do that now, and and it looks like they may even be moving up a little. For the time being, um, just but, yeah, the cases have not been moving up; they've just plateaued. Yeah, I think if you look at the last couple of days, maybe it starts looking like there could be an uptick. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's been but it's been a long plateau. It's been a like yeah. two weeks plus plateau in cases, and and that's it's about at that point deaths could start 
uh, catching up, and last couple of days, in theory, look like they're doing it. Or most likely to die are now all inoculated. The ones, yeah, yeah, you would think. um, In in theory, more cases should not necessarily translate into more deaths anymore. At least not like it used to. Not like it used to, maybe. But, right, you know, we'll see. The last few days are not encouraging on the death front. And I do think maybe it's a battle. Well, it's a battle between the vaccination rate and two things on the other side. One is uh, people getting out more. Uh, uh, partly because maybe they they feel, you know, I don't know, because of the vaccination rate, because of various things. And, you know, like Texas is opening up and so on. And the other thing is the new variant. Uh, the, the I think in New in the New York area in particular, the British variant, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's not immune to the vaccine. Uh, it's just a, it, it spreads faster. And, and so uh, it's a race. I've, I've learned that there's a new dimension to post-COVID tristesse. Previously, I thought it was people who liked the isolation of the, liked the isolation of the, of the lockdown, liked not having to, to go to meetings, stupid meetings that they don't want to go to, liked not having to deal with friends who are not really close friends, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, liked this free time, liked nobody messing with them. Uh, but I also think there's, I also think it's, it, provokes a sort of midlife crisis in people in other words uh well first i think the vax is depressing so i i i felt the vax was making me depressed and Mm -hmm. second in this depression you say okay i'm free i'm free now post-covid what do i want to do with my life maybe it's weirder if you're a single person without a family if you have a family you know what you're going to do with your life you're going to do your family thing uh but it, 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 it provokes a sort of doubt as to, well, okay, I was mindlessly going along. You know, now I obviously have a limited number of years because I've just lost one of them. So uh, I know that years are precious. Uh, and, you know, is this what I want to do with the rest of my, with, the, you know, the, 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 the midterm years that are lie ahead? And, uh, and, 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 and people are sort of worried that they're in a rut or they're not doing the and best. And it sounds like maybe you're worried that you're in a rut. And I'm just going to say this one more time, Mickey. Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> no. Get in that car. Get out of my rut. No, I'm, I, I have, I'm on Substack, Bob. How could I be in a rut? Right. Oh, the, the <laughs> life of the Substacker. I'll tell you, it's wild, isn't it? All this money pours in yep. and it's, a, it's like magic. Yeah. Although I'm not on Substack Pro. And, and I, in, you're not even on Substack paid. You don't have a paid newsletter, right? I'm on Substack Schnook. <laughs> the guy, the people, people that aren't getting anything out of Substack. Um, but I like Substack, so there. But anyway, yes, I, I'm more. I've been, I've been in a rut for a while. Um, well, we should I, talk I, about that more in the parrot room, where you can I really. Always, I believe in always having midlife crises, so. I want to talk. I want to talk about this in the, in the parrot room because this is this is. I've been having some of this too, and this is this is serious stuff, <laughs> folks. Don't go oh. to the parrot room thinking it's all fun and games. Even though I did tell the the hunting Why joke last time. Go to the parrot room with that buildup. Jesus, it's not all fun and games, people. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Either you want to grapple with the deep, deepest questions known to humanity, or you should stay the hell out. How's that uh, for How's that for marketing, Mickey? <laughs> if you don't. Live in the parrot room. Don't go to the parrot room. 
I was trying to paraphrase a famous rap song. Right? Yeah, I don't think I didn't catch it. I'm. <laughs> I don't think you got it. <laughs> don't think for a second I didn't catch that one. Um, wow, you know where we are? Fifty nine minutes and fifty three. A little less than that. We're at fifty nine minutes, so you know what that's God's way of telling us. Um, On to the parrot room, but we want no. We wanted to say a couple more things. Um, can I just briefly say? I, and it's an indictment of the press corps that nobody asked Biden this question. Like, why don't you arrange, for the sake of the whole world and ultimately for the sake of America, for the uh, intellectual property laws governing the vaccine companies to loosen up a bit so that we can allow, uh, so that there will be more factories making the vaccines in more low-income countries? You know, I mean, he could... He could finagle these companies into uh, uh, deals of a kind they are not currently contemplating. It would be great public relations for them. Most of them uh, are already going to make a ton of money in any event. And and it's important for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, if you don't deal with the problem, new variants are going to be rising forever. They'll come back to haunt us. Also, people will will resent us for, for hogging the shit. And what that can th- come back to haunt us. Yeah. What do you think his answer would be? You think he's ready for that question? I don't. That would throw him for a loop. I think he was ready for the questions he had been prepared for. Um, he was very well prepared for the questions he got, suspiciously. But let but me just let me just point something. As if they knew in advance. Let me just point something out. Now, Bill Gates, who has been like Mr. Global Vaccine, is actually kind of ideologically opposed to loosening intellectual property restrictions, apparently. I mean, that that was his whole that was what he brought to the hacker community, like in the 80s or whatever, whenever Microsoft was started, the uh, maybe late 70s um, is like, no, intellectual property does matter. This shit isn't free. you got to pay for it. And he's sticking with that. But I just want to say, like, if you just worked out a deal I mean, remember, if they just let somebody set up a factory and then somebody monitors it to make sure they're doing it right, it doesn't cost them anything. So if you even say to them, hey, how about we give you a dollar per vaccine or two dollars per vaccine as a licensing matter, okay? You're doing nothing. The money is just rolling in. We're talking about billions of people getting vaccinated. Bill Gates could pay for that without even noticing couldn't uh, couldn't somebody buy these two dollar vaccines and then resell them in the United States for fifty dollars? Uh, that so would not. Well, it'll be too late. I mean, we're all going to be vaccinated in a couple of months. But um, you know, you could you could do things. I'm sure you could do things to prevent the bootlegging. Uh, but you know, the point is nobody's even thinking about this. It's crazy. This is a fucking pandemic, and they're acting as if these intellectual property laws are just completely sacred. You can't even talk I- about. Minor, I, you know, modest loosenings of them. I bet this becomes an issue once America is pretty much vaccinated. You know, why don't you secure your own gas mask before you help others? Yeah, but that, that's the whole point, Nikki. It does not. We're not talking about taking vaccines we were going to get and giving them away. That's the beauty of it. it it's a non-zero sum game. It doesn't reduce the number of vaccines. It, we're just saying, yes, you're allowed to start a factory. Right now, I'm they're saying no. You're not allowed until you you unless you pay us a shitload of money. I'm saying I'm saying, I'm talking about political bandwidth. We the you you you're not taking away your kids' 
gas mask when you put yours on first either. You're you're making sure you're okay, and then then you have the confidence to help others. It is literally a threat to Americans' health to not deal with this issue. Right. Right. Well, it's stupid of us not to focus on it. I agree. But I'm just saying that that's... I just think it is the American politician's instinct to bow down to corporations without giving it any thought whatsoever. Well, you certainly don't want to piss off these corporations since they have the fate of our country in their hands, so... Not too late. We're, we're, I mean, the U.S. Vac- the U.S. vaccinations are taken care of. And by the way, this is in terms of uh, getting Mexico to help us with the border problem. I think you may be, you know, we've already seen a small number of vaccines going from us to them. I think you may be seeing more. No, that's, that, that's the one way Biden can control the problem is by getting Mexico to clamp down on their southern border and by getting them to take back more of these families that we're expelling plus uh, plus kamala is going to end poverty in central america right and that but uh for, for only four million vaccines we got them to take some action so imagine what more vaccines could buy yes um yeah that's possibly but but we're not through with it we're not through with the vaccinations because you have to get the 75 percent we're nowhere near that and the last 15 percent are obviously the hardest ones to get because they're people who don't want to take it so we're about to enter a long, dreary period where we try to talk to vac- vaccine-reluctant populations and get them to... Sure, but, it, but, but it's not a vaccine supply problem. It's a rate problem. And we seem to be stuck at two and a half million a day. It was growing. Right. Um, and, and I don't know why we can't continue to expand it. I, 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 but, um, I bet it's because we're running into we don't have enough takers. No, I don't think that's it. I think it may have to do. I mean, first of all, you don't. You only have so many people who are already trained at giving inoculations. Um, presumably, you can train more and somehow license them or something. I don't know, but uh, but it should, in principle, you should be able to increase. It seems to increase the rate forever, and we might as well establish that infrastructure since there may be new variants that require whole new rounds of vaccination. So there. Um. So that's my that's all I have to say about the world, except for the many fascinating things we'll say in the parrot room. I was I was terrified when they were going to use vaccinators trained by Sean Penn's organization to vaccinate people in California. Uh, In fact, that doesn't seem to have happened. Uh, So I'm not sure I'd trust. No, certainly not Sean Penn himself. No. Uh, he might be a little shaky, you know. You don't want you gotta have a steady hand and a little aggressive, perhaps. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, uh, I, I I I'm not looking forward to the period of trying to talk people into taking the vaccine. I think Chef Andres should maybe shift some of his resources to providing a big, delicious meal to anybody who gets a vaccine. I, I agree. Good use of his time. I mean, we'll see if it's a problem. It could be that a number, I mean, as of now, apparently, what is it? 50% of Republican males say they don't want it, something like that. But, you know, as more people get it and more people they know get it and don't die and don't get COVID and so on, you never know. The number could change. If and it all, could. If it's, all, if it's all the um, Republicans, maybe Chef Andres is not the guy. Not the guy. But here's, here's the, one of the dilemma. One of the weird things is, Okay, African Americans are historically paranoid because they were experimented on in Tuskegee, and they're legit, totally legitimate paranoia. Uh, 
but so, and then there's also the objection that the whites are getting the vaccine first. Well, those are sort of intention. In, if the white, if the vaccine is a good thing, uh, you know, then why don't you take it yourself? So, at some point, you would think that that would hit home. That hey, the whites have all gotten it. How bad could it be, right? Unless you think the whites are going to substitute a, a a a bad vaccine for the one that they got, which is. I guess where Johnson Johnson comes in, <laughs> but um, uh, now, now the big the big suspect the uh, I mean, you know the the one with the biggest uh, reputation problem is AstraZeneca. They kind of screwed up on the latest uh, data release, um, but uh, but you... it turns out that but it turns out they have like an eighty five. You know, for people over sixty five, this American test gave them like an eighty five percent efficacy rate. I thought the conventional wisdom was that the EU had been too paranoid in terms of blocking AstraZeneca. Well, may, well, I think the EU is mainly complaining that Britain hasn't exported as much AstraZeneca to them as they had promised. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're, uh, you know, that's the overarching issue in between the EU and Britain. I don't, th- I don't think so. I think there was a bureaucratic fuck up in terms of approving it or distributing it or something. Anyway, there could be that as well. The um, so we should uh, we should go to the parrot room. We should okay. we should make our promotional. Please, can can I make? So first of all, uh, I want to beg people to rate and review The Right Show, which I've, I've never really gotten down on my knees and begged. The, you know, there are podcasts who ask you to do that every time. I've done like, I don't know, thousands of these. I basically never ask. But I'm actually asking. You know, you can review it on your podcast app. Most apps let you, or you can like go to iTunes if that's not your app. And uh, that's apparently where the most influential rate and reviews happen. And this is The Right Show, by the way, notwithstanding the presence of Mickey. Can I mention that you're not the king of branding? Have I mentioned that before? Hey, you know who, you know what I was called on Twitter today? One of America's alpha minds. No. But would you tweet that after we get off the air? No. What I was called was the podfather. After somebody noted, there was a tweet about my having been doing this for a long time. I'm sorry to say they didn't mention that you co-founded Blogging Heads TV. No There's no fucking way that you're the podfather. They, they, we know I the didn't guy. say I was. You talk about bad branding instincts. You're supposed to just let something like that go, Mickey. When I when, when I say I was called the podfather, you're supposed to just go, oh, yeah, sounds plausible. Maybe, you may be the vlog father. I'll give you the vlog father. But the podfather How is How many continuously that, running podcasts go back to 2005? Name one. A podcast? A podcast. Well, there were hundreds in Silicon Valley. There's the guy who invented podcasting. Who would that be? His name. I was on a panel with him once. He's a very smart, very self-satisfied Silicon Valley guy. Does he have a podcast today? I'm sure he had a podcast then. No, my question is, who has one today who's been doing it continuously since 2005? I'm sure he does. I'll, I'll I'll find out his name, but it's it's. Uh, I'll bet it's not Podfather. He's famous. Anyway. You know why? Because I'm the Podfather. Okay. Um, oh well. You'll, um, 
So you wait, a lot of things. You have the non-zero page. You have the apocalypse. I know, I know. We, we, we'll, that, okay, one of the things we'll talk about in the parrot room is my. I'm writing it down. We're going to talk about my branding problem in the parrot room. That's one of many reasons uh, that if people want to go to Patreon.com/slash/parrotroom, they can gain access to the show we're about to tape, where we really cut loose. And by the way, now in our archives, which you will have access to. Should you become a, a patron, there is the bear hunting joke in last week's in last week's uh, parrot room, and that's just one of many things. Uh, I also we're going to also talk about our well, we're too old to have midlife crisis. What are we calling these end life crises? Where our end life crises? Oh, please, Bob! I, I don't is want that to go too, to that's a little too grand. I don't want to go to this parrot room now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um pre-end life. The, the, um, this is, this how about is, how about how about near death crisis? Is that parrot is no more? Is that, that's not better. Near death. Are immortal. He's, he, oh my god, that parrot's six feet under. He's pushing up daisies. <laughs> that's the other thing. We're going to have a ceremonial bear, uh, burying of the of the parrot in the parrot room. Another reason to sign up. Oh, also, I want to talk about this thing. The Journal of American Medical Association editor. Placed on leave following racial controversy. Okay. Do you That's know a, about this? Don't know about it. It involves a tweet yeah. and, have, uh, a, and a podcast, I believe. I have a New York Times libel to talk about and uh, this program to give uh, a guaranteed income to uh, uh, people of color but not whites in Oakland. How Boy. about that? Boy, would I pay for that! I also may talk about the 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 way the la- the the laundering of the neocons and, and the way that's finally paying off. Okay, cryptic is that suitably cryptic? Suitably, um, and then who knows what else? You'll probably you'll probably burst into song as usual. Maybe we'll find another joke to tell. Uh, yeah, doubt it. Never mind. Um, okay. So and plus, your newsletter is called Cal's Files. Mine is called non-zero. Conveniently, oh no, your Twitter handle isn't Cowsfiles. It's it's at Mickey, and mine is Robert Ryder. And um, I think that's it. An hour and 14, geez. And that's just the free version. Amazing. Okay. Run, Mickey, run. (coughs) Okay. I can't even get the parrot on my side. It's pathetic. (coughs) The parrot will have a change of heart in the parrot room. Okay. See you, Bob.